Hi, how are you? No, really, I want to know, how are you? I just want to take a deep breath and a moment to check in here, to be right here with you. And that is something that we talk about today. Hi, it's Ashley, and you've stopped by the Kick-Ash Live podcast. Thanks for being here. Today, we've got a bonus episode, a little extra time together, a little extra fun. I'm excited. Before we dive in, I want to mention this. I am opening up a mastermind group this summer. What is a mastermind? It is a group of individuals from diverse backgrounds and experiences who get together twice a month to help one another untangle business challenges. It's where we bring our collective wisdom to help connect one another to resources and insights for the growth of everyone in the group. I will tell you that being a part of a mastermind is hands down the best thing I've done for myself, better than any online course, better than one-on-one coaching, at least for me, because I tend to thrive on a team effort. It has helped me sort out some really tricky issues, both in business and in life over the past couple of years. So if you're interested in learning more, in even just exploring this idea, this concept, send me a DM on Instagram at kickashlife or an email to ash at kickashlife.com and let's talk about all the ways we can begin to lift one another up. Okay, speaking of lifting one another up, let's get into today's bonus episode. If you listened to episode nine, and I hope you did, you met my friend, and dog walker, and sometimes Manny, and artist, and truth teller, John Crittenden. We covered his recovery story, which is wild and beautiful. And once we started recording, once we started talking, we just couldn't stop. So here's a little extra from our chat, where we talk about art, nature, voodoo, yeah, pets, and friendship. If you want a little company, we've got you. Come hang out. All right, let's lighten it up. Okay. All right. I want to talk about your art. Okay. I want to talk about finding inspiration and finding motivation to do this and how art came to you, but I'm going to relay a story Okay. about one of the first times, well, maybe it was the second time we went to see your art in a gallery. Okay. And, um, it was a show where you were asked to submit a piece about repurposed items. Yes. Right. And I think Mackenzie was 10 at the time, my daughter, 10, maybe 11. And you didn't tell me what your piece was. And so Mackenzie and I showed up to the art gallery and we go straight to the middle and um, your piece is called Safety First. Yes. Uh-huh. And it's a repurposed football helmet with pink condoms all over it. Yes. Yes. And I wasn't prepared for that and that was definitely a moment that, that Mackenzie and I had. That was an opening moment for me. Okay. Along with not always being able to filter what I say. Yeah. You know, I'm not around children very often. Right. <laughs> and I, it had never occurred to me that that was not a 
G-rated content. Right. We laugh about it still today. Like, you know me, I'm super easy. And, <laughs> and, and the piece itself, like it actually made a statement and it was tongue in cheek and yes. funny, but also so well done and really cool, deeply cool. And it opened the door for me to have a conversation with my daughter that maybe I wasn't ready for, but it made me have an honest conversation. And it has sort of shaped how I have conversations with her now of just like, let's be straight up about the deal, but also like respectful of her age and all that and, and share as much as maybe she needs to know, but not all of it, but, but be straight up. So your art, it was, right? um, I remember the look on your face <laughs> and, um, <laughs> You know, I was talking to some other people, some people who had come out to support me. I think some of the people who were just uh, at the show um, who I never met before. Mm -hmm. And you walked up um, and you looked at me and your face went white and you said, are those condoms? And I said, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they are. And then your daughter was looking at it and you said, she's 10. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I looked and I think of my eyes probably like rolled back in my head. And I said, do they not know about condoms when they're 10? <laughs> I just, um, I was trying to think through. I was like, I was like, well, what age is like sex ed? I was like, but do they even talk about condoms when they yeah. learn about sex ed? And at that young of an age, I was like, I don't even know. When I first heard about them. It was such a pure (laughs) moment. It was such a pure moment of where sort of art meets life. Yeah. Right. And I love that story. And we do, we laugh about it, but like, that is the point, right? Yeah. Where art meets life. So how did this all start for you? The art piece and where do you take your inspiration? I've always liked, um, drawing when I was a kid Mm -hmm. because I liked at a really young age, like pre-K coloring books. Um, I liked just, I would draw little cartoons and I would draw from my imagination. And as you know, I got older and was in elementary school, I'm drawing from perspective and um, they start teaching me those basic skills of drawing. And I think as I started to reach, you know, like being a teenager, Um, I was a pretty angsty kid and I was definitely at that age starting to get involved with like drugs and alcohol and the world of art was definitely good job <laughs> Thank you for guarding the house. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see the look you just gave me? Uh-uh. It was just like, yeah, I got you. Yeah, I got you, man. <laughs> Did exactly what he was supposed to do. All right, let's um, go back to the let's go back to the world of art. Um, I knew in the world of art that um, there was people who were misfits like me. Who I knew that there was a gay community in art. I knew that they were accepting and I knew that there was drugs. And so I 
I very specifically remember though, when I was 17, I had been taking an elective class in high school and there was this straight football player who I kind of had a crush on him and I think we were crushing on each other because he used to text me a lot and we didn't have we didn't run with the same crowds and I knew that uh, something was going on there and my I guess my natural radar for toxicity was going off <laughs> so I I had dropped the class I was taking with him and switched into a watercolor class that one of my best friends was in um one of my childhood best friends said John just drop that class with him and come to, come to watercolor and so I switched into this watercolor class and there actually weren't any seats left at my friend's table and I was sitting with a group of uh, seniors and I uh, just started making watercolors and made some new friends and I was definitely there to like chit chat more than I was to actually be invested in art. But some of the assignments that we were given were just working out for me. Mm. And I was learning, um, I mean, like a watercolor painting skill set. And it's, it's reverse, right? Yes. Yeah, watercolor can, is hard. You can only get darker. Yeah. Um, oh, there's a deep statement. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so you really have to start with all the light colors that you're going to use at all on this painting. And just then another layer that's a little darker and then another layer that's a little darker. And um, actually at the time in this class, uh, we were not allowed to use black watercolor paint. We had to mix the color. Um, to get there? Yeah. To get to... Um, because once you put black watercolor paint on there, it's really hard to control. It, the painting's done. Interesting. There's no reworking it. It's done. Watercolor paper just absorbs the paint. I took a watercolor class in Paris. I went to Paris on my own a few years back. Yeah. And... I took this class where this lady, it was just me. It ended up being just me because it was cold and who else is going to go sit in the garden and freezing weather and paint watercolors besides us. And um, this lady was so great that she had me painting the garden. And and now that I think about it, yeah, it was very hard for me to get my head around going in reverse. Yeah. Like when I have done acrylic, I want to start and I'm, I'm a novice, right? I want to yeah. start with dark and work my way up. So it was, yeah. it was really hard to get my head around. Yeah. But actually, your son is really talented with watercolor. He is. He is. My son, I think you and Parker sort of have a meeting of the minds a lot um, because Parker is a complete creative from the word go. And sometimes, I don't know if you find this in what you do too, but sometimes Parker is at a loss for words so he'll tell a story on paper. Yeah. Um, I actually also have a very distinct memory of one day getting a text message from you. And it was just this long string of emojis. <laughs> and they were just like, it almost looked maybe randomized. Yeah. And it was probably like a hundred of them. Yeah. And I just saw that. And I just picked a hundred of my favorite emojis and sent them back. <laughs> and, then, and then a couple hours later, I got a thank you text from you. 
I guess uh-huh. it made Parker's day. It did. <laughs> you you, you were communicating. Yeah. 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 It just, I didn't know if that was him. I don't know if it was you. It just never, there was no hesitation. I just knew how to respond. <laughs> <laughs> you were pretty sure it was not me. I was pretty sure it was not you, but I thought if it was you, that we had definitely picked up a new Morse code. Yeah. <laughs> and those are never randomized by him. Like there is always a point. There was a little it. story going. Yeah, I tried to tell my own. I think back. Uh huh. But now you know. Also, if you ever need to communicate with me really subtly, just send an emoji. <laughs> I don't respond back. However, you are talking. <laughs> Meet people where they are. I try to read the room. Uh, I love it. I love it. But sometimes art, and because I've seen you work. Like there is a motivation to it, but there's like this need to keep going. Some at some point, the idea is solidified, and it becomes hard work to actually execute it. Yeah, um, I think you know, just bringing me back to this watercolor class, right? Mm-hmm. One of the senior girls sitting across from me, who I actually shared an Italian elective with her, so I vaguely knew her. So it became a chance for us to be friends, but she was not into watercolor at all. And she would talk a lot about how she didn't like painting because of how messy it was. She said watercolor was a little better than the acrylic painting, but she would take so much time at the end of each class, like 15 minutes before the bell rang, and she would clean all of her brushes and she would clean her paint palette and she would clean her little work area and let her painting dry. And then she would put it up really, really delicately on the rack to dry. And I think of her actually, I think from that moment and to even now in my career as an artist, and it's for me, half the work is cleaning up. Hmm. And when you clean up and you get a chance to pause and then you come back at it with a a fresh set of eyes um, and also a fresh set of materials because you cleaned them. I'm losing my mind right now over the metaphor of this. Right, because isn't so much of life kind of cleaning up our mess, yeah, and getting a fresh start, yeah, and trying to figure out what's next. So one of my watercolors had been selected and was put in the front of the school, yeah, and the teacher told me I should sign up for the painting class in the fall. Actually, the summer after that, I made my first painting uh, with acrylic paint, and. I actually, I still have that painting, um, which I could get into it, but was definitely created under the influence of like drugs and uh, chaotic mental health. Mm -hmm. And I was definitely like naked in the woods painting with like one paintbrush in my fingers. Um, But I also learned in that moment too, that if you take acrylic paint, you can put organic material into the paint and it will uh, fossilize it. No way. It fossilizes it? This painting still has leaves on it Uh that I have collected and attached to the canvas. Do the leaves sort of decompose leaving the veins on there or the leaves? Yeah, it's mostly just the uh, latex from the paint Mm -hmm. that created was molded around it. That's cool. Yeah. I want to play with that. Uh, well, actually, in the painting I made you, mm-hmm. Apollo's hair is in it. Apollo's hair is in there. Yeah. It is. So when I accidentally owned a wine shop, you took as inspiration one of my favorite paintings that I bought 
in Spain years and years and years ago. We call her the Spanish lady. And you turned it into basically me and Apollo, the big um, great purities and holding a glass of wine. And it's incredible. It's so cool. It hung in the wine shop for a while and people loved it. Yeah, um, you told me you wanted me to copy it mm-hmm. and I asked if I could put a little bit of my own spin on it. Mm-hmm. And you said definitely that you wanted her to be holding a wine glass instead of a fan. And mm-hmm. she has a little toy dog in the painting and you wanted it to be Apollo. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I took uh, a drawing mannequin and I positioned her in the same pose as the woman in the painting. Mm-hmm. And then I drew the mannequin in that pose and then put the clothing on her and then put Apollo in front of her and then painted that. Yeah. And so I would only look at the drawing I had made. Right. And I did look at the painting again, though, to get the the colors right Uh because I used the same color palette. Yeah, but you added so much texture to it and depth. So the painting you had... um, had actually been like carved into mm-hmm. so they had painted and then carved a design on her dress mm-hmm. and so what I did was the opposite and I built the dress out into the design Yeah, um, and I used uh, some handmade papers and I uh, used a, a gesso and attached them to the canvas mm-hmm. and then applied a gesso over them and then applied acrylic paint it's so much to learn. Yeah. So much to learn. She's incredible. And it's such a gift. Such a, such a beautiful gift. And along with the paper was Apollo's dog hair. There was Apollo's dog hair. Yes. Which is both creepy and magical at the same time. Yeah. I actually, <laughs> I brushed him uh-huh. and then just collected it in a little baggie and brought it home with me. It's amazing. Okay. I want to talk about nature. Because you talked about being out in nature yes. doing this painting. Yeah. But in the last couple of years, I've seen nature take a real hold for you because you go camping and you sketch while you're there. And there are times I see that you just need a reset. Yeah. And you go. So tell me about that. Well, actually, the camping idea started when I went on a trip with my mother to New Orleans and we had our tarot cards read. Huh. And the psychic, it was New Orleans, like the psychic in the witch doctor voodoo shop. Of course. Yeah, it was Marie Laveau's voodoo shop. Um, Only the best. Only the best, right? And, (laughs) And just imagine my mom was on a business trip and brought me. And so I had a whole list of things I wanted to do in New Orleans, yeah. um, including a ghost tour and going to Marie Laveau's voodoo shop. Did she go to the voodoo shop with you? Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and um, so he was reading my cards and something he brought him to the conclusion that I needed to go on a, a spirit quest in the desert. And I said, oh, what up? and and he he looked at me and he said have you been to the desert and I said yeah I went to rehab in Palm Springs and (laughs) he said 
have you ever been camping? And I said, no. Like, camping like <laughs> Holiday Inn? Yeah, <laughs> right. right. I've stayed in some uh, cruddy motels, but that's about as low as it gets. Yeah. And um, he suggested I start in Georgia, because I told him I was living in Atlanta. He said, you can go, uh, there's a lot of good places in Georgia that you can go camping and he said to, he told me to bring um, art supplies, mm-hmm. specifically drawing supplies, and that I needed to to go alone and connect with myself. And he said all of that. It sounded like a great idea. I went right back to my normal life after New Orleans. Um, you know, just like I was finishing school at the time and. I think I just gone through a breakup and I was probably sitting Apollo and uh but then uh it was that would have been November 2019 when I was told that and then mm. the coronavirus happens yes and you know the the floor fell out from beneath us because I really rely on a lot of structure and yeah suddenly I was being told like I couldn't go to the gym and I couldn't go to the hair salon and I... No nails? My nail tech came to my house. Okay. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. priorities. Yeah. I, I wanted to help support her business, so... Yeah. She would come to my house and tell me Yeah. <laughs> she was one of the the three people I saw for the <laughs> month of April 2020. Gosh. Right. And I... Thought, well, now's the chance to go camping. Yeah. It was, it just came into my head. Amazing. That I was like, what do I do now? No one gave me any suggestions for when everything shuts down and the world ends. And I, I think I was really trying to rack my brain for any advice I had been given and any like, uh, like what direction do I go from here? What do I do with myself? Um, Because suddenly I wasn't working and I had been taking a ceramics class at the time that the professor basically just passed all of us. And that was my last college class. So I suddenly graduated. um, (laughs) With no fanfare. With no fanfare. After all that. I got a couple cards in the mail. And so I went camping. I just uh, booked a little campsite in North Georgia. And, uh, North Georgia is beautiful to the yes. uninitiated. It is a beautiful place to be. Yeah. And, um, I got a tent. I got a sleeping bag. Wait, had you ever pitched a tent before? No. And you just went out there and figured it out. Yeah. I, yeah. I watched a YouTube video beforehand. Okay. Well, as we do. I'm, I'm yeah. not as great at watching instructions on YouTube. I kind of like fast forwarded to what I thought were the good parts, which were not necessarily what I needed to know to build that tent. Um, but I did it pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually have like a skill set that I have no idea about. Like it came out of nowhere. You know how to pitch a tent. Yeah. And I also build locked a campfire. myself out of my condo on Friday, out of my loft. Okay. On my way to pick up your daughter from school. And did you MacGyver your way back in? Um, using a knife and a Kroger card. <laughs> <laughs> I popped the lock on my door. 
No way. Yeah. Okay. Guess what? Well done, you. <laughs> In less than five minutes. Yeah, I think the the picking a lock may fit in more with this skill set I developed as like a delinquent teenager, but camping sort of just, I think may have also been just part of like a, an inner survivalist skill set that I have, Yeah, um, that I've been forced to grow over the years, um, of just being put in some hard situations and just having to go with it. Figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here's something we said. You, we were texting the other day, and and I was like, "Ooh, let's hold that for a discussion on the podcast." Do you remember this? So we were talking about Maisie, my daughter's dog, who came into our life about a year ago. Bless Maisie. She's a lab mix pound puppy hot mess. And I said, you know, this is like the third time in three months that I've called poison control because Maisie's eaten something she shouldn't have. And this time it was, she got into a, like a childproof bottle of Zyrtec and ate the entire bottle. And, um, she's fine. Um, but you said, do you think that Maisie reflects like a shadow side of yourself. Like do our animals reflect some part of our personalities? Do yeah. you remember this? I, I do remember saying this to you the other day. Okay. Yeah. So Missy is your fabulous cat. Yes. Missy. And you said, sometimes I get upset with Missy because maybe the thing I'm upset with her is what she's reflecting back to me is what I'm doing. Yeah. I adopted Missy when I was, 19 years old, just uh, partying it up in Boston, uh, moonlighting as a college student at art school. Missy was, um, she had been astray. She had just had kittens and they had like sold her kittens on kitten day. You don't have to make that sad face. Missy doesn't feel bad about it. I, as a, as a mom, my heart was just like, so much I don't, I don't think she thought twice about it because, um, she was just very thin and her nipples were still erect from, um, nursing the kittens and just the whole image she gave off for some reason was just really cohesive with my roommate and I at the time. And we thought this is going to be our party cat. Okay. <laughs> that was not where I thought you were going, but okay. So let me see what's in with us. And yeah. um, eventually I moved out from this roommate because um, I think at the time, you know, like I was always trying to find ways to stop myself from the partying lifestyle without actually quitting mm. drinking. Yeah. Um, and so to move out was one of those tools I would use. Sure. So then I've had her ever since. Yeah. And we've been through a lot. Uh, she gets groomed um, once a month or every other month. I get her a lion cut because she gets hairballs a lot. And after I quit drinking and throwing up, I needed her to stop licking herself and throwing up. And we have each other. Um, and she's just as neurotic as me. And so, you know, she can sometimes be the bane of my existence, but I just don't know what I would do without her. And we do a lot of things the same. Um, so 
when I get irritated at things she does, um, a lot of times it's because she acts like me. Like she wants attention until she doesn't. She's my best friend. You know, she's mostly white with black spots. Um, I think we, we dress alike almost. I, I usually yeah. just wear white and black. That is your vibe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then when, as long as I've known you, you've had Apollo. And I think when I first met you, you always came off to me as like so carefree. And um, you were like kind of this like powerhouse of nature, this like lawyer. I knew you from Soul Cycle. I would I would always look to you to find the beat the first like couple years that I would ride spin classes. Um because I really only got into it because I was dog sitting for the instructor. True. <laughs> and, and you were a, a devotee of the spin practice. And um, I so it. I would always look over at you. I was like, okay, like what what leg am I supposed to be riding this bike on? <laughs> um, and you seem to have such a grip. And I just remember like meeting Apollo for the first time and he was, he's so large, but so docile. And then maybe whoever likes brought you over the years, it's like you've manifested Macy. <laughs> <laughs> um, runs has head first into trouble and doesn't yes. like thinks about it later. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But there's a part of Apollo that's me too. Yeah. Right. I'm really actually about as chill as he is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's really cool. You're very go with the flow, very much. I would say, like, I would use the term cool girl. Like, you're a cool girl. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'll take that. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> but, but yet, I'm Maisie in that I, I, trouble finds me and I don't ask questions until much later because I'm so curious and fascinated. And then I'm, then I find myself in a mess, a bit of a mess. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, maybe our animals, like that's a, that's the question for folks to ponder is like, what is it about your animal that they're reflecting back to you? Yeah. And I love it, that well, actually like watching you with Apollo and now Maisie, I'm, I'm not trying to get another pet, but I'm nervous that if I, <laughs> if I stray from her, <laughs> Missy's personality type, that I'm going to manifest a new creature in my <laughs> You know, a whole new shadow side of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's where I want to end because one of the very biggest things I appreciate about you among many is the way you show up as a friend. You really define friendship for me in that you, when somebody tells you something, you listen. If it's important, you remember it. You've, you've heard it, you're present. You pick up the phone and just call people to check on them because you care. Like you do friendship really well. And I appreciate that so much. And you do it not just for me, my family and my critters, my dogs, but like everyone around you, you show up for people. And I wonder sort of what motivates that. Is it the journey that you've been through or is that just natural to you like you you'll sit I know what you do you sit in the car after yoga 
at Ashtanga and you send people quotes, like motivational quotes. I get probably five a week from you, like just little date brighteners that remind me that there's somebody in this world who cares that I'm here, you know, and it's um, maybe more of a gift than you realize. So thank you for that. But like, what, what motivates that? What does that stem from? Well, I don't want to leave anyone behind. Mm. Um, when I got sober, I had the privilege to get on an airplane and go to a treatment that day. But I actually had a friend back in Boston who uh, died with a needle in her arm that day. And, you know, I didn't hear about it until after I'd gotten out of rehab because they take your phone. And so I, I heard about it from some of my friends. I missed the funeral. But in that moment when I was in my first 90 days of this new life, like, I suddenly, and maybe it was this feeling of guilt, but I had a reason to just ride it out for as long as I thought I could. And, and it kind of just, like, clockwork. Since then, I've had people pass away. Um, and... It was a couple months after that I had another friend die um, from addiction and I had a friend commit suicide the summer after I got sober in August uh, 2016. And I didn't go to their funerals at the time because I was completely broke and also seeing my old people places and things under the pretense of a tragedy didn't seem a healthy choice to make in those moments. Um, No matter what the social norm would be about that. Um, I knew that if I were to mourn them in any way and honor them in any way, it would be to, to capitalize on the chance that they didn't get. And that was to stay here in Atlanta sober and then, and you know, since then I've had people pass away in my life, um, and I get to show up differently now. But I, uh, I value the friends that I have, and I've had to like learn how to be a friend and practice how to be a friend. When I when I talk to people on the phone, I try to ask them how they're doing, and I like to ask how are you before they. Um, let me get into a story about myself because I, you know, I always can bring the drama <laughs> and, and have funny stories and sad stories. And, um, but, you know, if I'm going to meet people where they're at, I need to know what, how their day is going. Cause I can call, I can call you with like some really petty nitpicky complaints and someone got under my skin and I need your opinion or your advice, but if I don't know what's happened to you that day, like you could be in a world of pain and I wouldn't know. And I'd make it about me. I also, when it comes to like sending motivational quotes, I actually just like to like Google inspirational quotes for myself. Yeah. Um, usually like with what's bothering me. And I like hope to find like some great writer or artist or thinker who's like got a good one for me that day. So I Google image like, inspirational quote on feeling defeated or exhaustion or worry and then I just sort of like scroll through um, and I like specifically look for ones that don't have like 
some graphic designers copyright imprint over them because <laughs> those don't show up as well when I text them and <laughs> and so I just I find one that applies to me and then I, uh, I have certain people that I send them out to and uh, sometimes I get them back and, and you know you might be surprised sometimes I get responses and maybe you've even sent me this response before that's like Hmm, I don't know about that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like me. Yeah. yeah. And it, I think for some people, it's like that That didn't hit home with them that day. But maybe for me, it's what I needed. Right. But it's also my way of sharing where I'm at. That sparks uh, a conversation. Yes. And it's where yeah. it's what's driving what I'm working through today. And just sort of like sending out the, the feelers as to like, maybe this could also help somebody else. Um, Because usually if I'm struggling or facing a problem, it's a bad habit for me to think that I'm the only one who's ever experienced this before. Because a lot of times other people are feeling just as bad as I am or struggling with the same little mental health quirks and the same just human quirks. Yeah. Because, you know, to wake up at, 6 a.m. to go to an intense yoga class and then feel defeated afterwards <laughs> is probably more common than I, I try to make myself the victim of. <laughs> and, um, and so many people in the mornings can feel down about themselves or just be struggling. And I don't know, sometimes maybe it's corny, but I also know that, like, I think I, I can accept what motivates me and what keeps me happy and what keeps any type of positivity in my life is always going to be a little bit corny. Well, it's your, it's part of your, the way you set your morning, you know, you've talked about routines are important to you. They're important to all of us. And that's one way of setting the tone for the day. Yeah. Is with inspiration, motivation and a little perspiration. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And also when it comes to friends, I just have to keep making them. Mm. Um, I try not to be picky about who I let into my life and who gets to be my friend. Um, You know, I just worked for you at first. I knew you from spin class, but we didn't know a lot about each other. Yeah. And I think just like staying in your home while you were out of town. First, your home always smells nice. Um, which is such a plus. That's a challenge with two dogs and two kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, um, I remember the first time I sat for you, it was just the summer and you had this great big dog. And it was like, you, I, you would book me so last minute and you had left me a gift card to your favorite restaurant, Whiskey Bird. And then you had said, you can take Apollo to the nature trail across the street. And you you drew me a little map that was maybe not that helpful, but it was the way you said across the street. And so like, of course I'm like, we're dodging cars getting across these rocks. Okay, directionally challenged. Okay, we're, yes. We enter into the woods, into this path. We did find the nature trail. Yeah. I got the impression that you took Apollo out there a lot. 
and this is on me, but I was kind of following him a little bit. This was like our second day together and I was letting him take the lead. Oh gosh, did you get lost? Because I've gotten lost in that thing before. Yeah, he dragged yeah. me so far. There's there's bamboo in that woods. Yeah, there's a lot in those woods. And, and it's not big. <laughs> and it, it does stretch, stretch on and on. It actually leads yeah. to like another nature trail. But it, he dragged me like off the trail through the woods <laughs> We popped out in someone's backyard on the other side of Briarcliff. I've had to climb a fence to get out of there before because I couldn't find my way out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I was just covered in dirt. I'd had on these white sneakers that were covered in dirt. Oh, no. And your dog was covered in dirt. <laughs> and he was getting tired. I was tired. And I just thought, who is this lady? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so, uh, yeah. And then I think we, I just continued to work for you. Um, there was one point when you had had a friend staying here. I've always got somebody staying here. It was Diazine was staying here. Yeah. And you said, Oh, John, by the way, I have a friend just staying in Mackenzie's room. And, you know, and I thought to myself under normal circumstances, I would think that was so strange, but I know you and I know your, um, the way you collect strays. <laughs> and I also thought, I was like, well, it's, it's a lady and it's probably not, it's not a threat. And I was like, the first day I was here walking Apollo and, and Diazine, who's British, just offered me a cup of tea. Uh-huh. And we just immediately started like, I think like gossiping about our dating lives or something. Isn't she lovely? Yeah, she's, she's so amazing. Um, and I'm not her dog walker also. Yes. Um, but... <laughs> When someone is offering me friendship, I've learned to just say yes. Yeah. And when someone's offering me just that hand of kindness and the the hand of like camaraderie, uh, like I cannot be picky about who I'm walking this path with. Um, Because I think that like, I really have nothing better to do. I used to spend my life drinking and doing drugs and stealing and hurting people. And like, who am I to say like this hour of my life couldn't be spent here recording a podcast with you. (laughs) I'm lucky. I'm lucky that you weren't picky about friendships and that you took me in. So thank you. I also knew you were fabulous though. (laughs) I mean, we both were fabulous. I bet you're in the front row at soul cycle. That says a lot. I love it. All right. We've got to wrap it up. Thank you for being here. You're welcome. And thank you for being a friend and the way you show up in this world. It You touch so many people. And I um, I don't know if you even realize that, but you are a walking light among people full of wit and sarcasm and talent and joy and um, sass. Thank you. <laughs> How special are those friendships where we can talk about everything and nothing all at once? Thanks for hanging out with me and John as we did just that. As always, you know I love a list. Here are the takeaways. Number one, be attuned to your quote, natural radar for toxicity (laughs) and choose art class or something beautiful instead. Number two, half of the work in art and life is cleaning up the mess. 
it offers a chance to pause and come back to observe your work, your art, even your life with a fresh set of eyes, a fresh perspective. Number three, art is therapy for reconnecting with ourselves. Number four, when the world shuts down or when we lose structure, we go to nature. Number five, when we get frustrated with our pets, or parentheses here for that matter, our children, our partners, our colleagues, our families, ask, what is it this moment is reflecting back to me? It could be the very thing that bothers us about ourselves that we need to sit with and spend some time with. Number six, meet people where they are. Take the time, that moment, to try and figure out where they are, to be with them, so that we can meet them there. I love that. And and I know that John practices that daily. Number seven, no one gets left behind. What John said with such sincerity reminds me of a quote from one of my favorite movies, Lilo and Stitch. I'm going to tell you, so I was adopted as a baby and exploring the concept of family, of belonging, really, has been a theme of my life. And in the movie, you know, I love this movie, Stitch gets adopted and goes on a similar journey. And the first time I saw that movie, y'all, I cried the biggest crocodile tears because I felt understood, understood when Stitch finally defined it for me, right? Stitch said, Ohana means family and family means nobody is left behind or forgotten. Number eight, friendship is a practice. If you do anything here, anything, go back and listen again to John's perspective on how to be a friend. This is something I'm working on. You know, um, there's a time in life where I got so caught up in my professional world, in being a mom, in starting a business, in the everyday doing, you know, the everyday surviving, that I did not prioritize friendship and connection. I know I'm not the only one here, right? I'm not the only one. So (laughs) friendship is a practice. And how blessed am I to have a friend like John to remind me of this. If this episode touched you, will you share it with a friend? Or just reach out today and let someone you, you know, like know how much you care about them? Okay, separate note, don't forget, but also related note. This is how we love on one another, how we support one another, not only in life, but in business, which is obviously a part of life. If you're curious about joining a mastermind, about working with me and a group of go-getters, truth seekers, supportive humans, reach out. Let's chat. My contact information is in the show notes, and I am so excited to build something with you to you know, nurture one another, nourish one another in business and the inevitable flow of life. I'll be back with you next week for a solo episode, another thoughts from the trike session. Hit subscribe so you don't miss it. And I'll talk to you real soon. Meanwhile, 
I am sending you so much love and light and joy for the journey. 